Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Dope Black Woman podcast, the podcast where we share stories of black excellence as part of our safe digital sisterhood. I'm Leanne Levos. I'm Roshan. You can call me Shan. I'm Livs. On this episode, we're talking about narcissism. So hi, Keely. How are you? All is good. Grateful. Grateful to be here. Thank you for interviewing me once again on the topic of narcissism. No problem. So something we always ask everyone straight off the back to put you under pressure. No, I'm joking. Um, but something we always ask everyone is what makes you a dope black woman? I walk by faith, not by sight. Statistically, I'm from a disadvantaged background and I probably should be in temporary housing, waiting to be housed. Um, and I've defied all those low expectations and stereotypes. And I've made a way out of no way. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. I've raised two dope black daughters and, you know, they're finding their own unique way as they navigate the world. And I'm just, uh, I'm a hustler, I'm a strategist, I care, I'm passionate, and I and I have boundaries as well. So, you know, I'm grateful. I'm grateful when more and more people come to me for the authenticness that I bring. And that is really, I'm really, I'm so grateful of that because there were times on the journey when I really doubted that, you know, I'd, I'd have to compromise myself and I'm very grateful that I haven't. And I hope that inspires others that you can find a way to make a way out of no way. It's interesting you say that because um, I've obviously spoken to you before in a more professional capacity. And what I was really drawn to about you was your authenticness and your realness. And I remember talking to you on a different podcast that didn't actually air and thinking, no, wait, she's really come on as a psychologist and she's talking like she's family, like she's from the end. She's just being so real. And that's something that motivated me to talk to you today because I was like, when you want to have these sort of important conversations, you want to be able to have them with someone who's just going to keep it 100% and not just going to give you textbook information. And I feel like that's exactly what you are. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it's not been an easy road. And um, whilst people think they like the idea of truthfulness, they often struggle with it in reality. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the reasons why I need to let people know, like, I'm not the therapist for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm not going to dilly dally. I'm going to share my thoughts with you. I'm going to share my observations. And let's see where that takes us. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think people need to hear it. They need to hear it. Things don't just happen in isolation. It's often co-created. That's really interesting. And I feel like that will link as well to what we're going to talk about. But for people who don't know you, because obviously I literally just said, hi, Keely, and there was no like signposting to who you are or why you're qualified to talk on this topic. Would you mind just introducing who you are? 
My name is Keely Tavener. I am a psychotherapist. People come to me when, when what they're doing is no longer working and the way forward is unclear. I'm a highly empathic person and it's fair to say that majority of my clients are highly empathic individuals who life has hurt them and they're baffled and confused as to why. I specialise in helping highly empathic people who are in narcissistic abusive relationships. Why, I hear you ask, because that's been my situation. And I still have to be very, very mindful about being an empathic person that actually I, I draw complicated people to me. You know, so I'm passionate about helping other people understand their journey, just as I've had to unpick and understand mine. I help people through therapy, coaching, developing strategies. People come to me, like I said, because they love that kind of down to earth, say it as it is. And they just come when they're just like, they just need some guidance to move forward. Something that you said there, um, I just want to pick up on is about being empathetic and the type of people that are then drawn to you because I'm a very empathetic person and I was literally saying to someone the other day no matter where I am I always meet someone I want to share their story with me and it's it is also like friends and family and things like that I feel like there's a comfortability that I naturally have that makes them want to talk to me but I also feel like sometimes I'll be on the train and someone will sit next to me and I'll look at them and be like are you okay and the next minute they're telling me the whole life story and we've like planned this <laughs> this year plan for how they're gonna get out of it and it's happens to me so much and I mean I talk to some of my friends they're like I don't I don't know how you find yourself in these situations so are you able to talk a bit more on that link between people who are empathetic and then like draw particular people to them I, I think one of the challenges for empathic people is they don't understand what they do that brings people needy people people with this long-winded stories often not all the time but I don't think we realize quite what it is that we do and it's just like kind of that openness that being curious can actually give people permission to start to open up and as a therapist it's something that I've had to learn to be very boundaried about because often friends might be frustrated, you know, if we're out having a social evening, the next thing I've asked, I've just been a little bit too curious with someone and the next thing they start opening up and actually my time, my quality time with my friends gets compromised. So I think you highlight one of the biggest challenges that I face with highly empathic people is a lack of self-awareness. We actually don't quite realise what we do that draws individuals to us you know so that's also about looking at you know sometimes for a lot of empathic people they can draw broken people to them but you know I'm passionate about helping empaths understand their own brokenness in order to understand you know where our deeper unconscious motivations come from so the more you get to understand that it may mean in certain situations you don't ask open-ended questions because we know that open-ended questions, we know what it does. You're, you're a journalist, right? You you invite more information in. Yeah. Also, like for myself, say with friends, if they start telling me their problems, I'll start telling them mine. That's just one way I protect myself as a therapist. Because if I start telling someone else's my problems, then it's not therapy straight away. And I don't go into that mode. And so it's about developing your own awareness around what is it that you actually do that means you know, these people gravitate to you. Because when you're not aware, you just think it happens or that you've got a sign on your head. That is a really interesting take in understanding why we attract those people. 
because I think that's something my friend actually asked me the other day. Um, you keep attracting certain types of people and she was referring to men really in terms of like dating and she was like, whilst it's not fair that you experience that, there's something about you that is attracting these people. Like when I was thinking of it, I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. They're, they're all different. They're this, they're that. But actually what you said just then about not even noticing things I'm doing in myself, I feel like that makes a lot of sense and it's already a starting point into unpicking how I get myself in these situations because I am someone who's naturally really open and I'm always, I always have time for people to express um, how they're feeling. It's probably because I've also had people close to me who have like taken their own life and I always feel like, well, what if I call them that day? Like what would that have been like? And obviously I know I can't take that pressure, but it's just something that I subconsciously always consider when people have, things they want to get off their chest do you get what I mean but moving back onto the topic of today which is about narcissism the reason why I wanted to talk about it was because I think the word's been used a lot um lately online in relation to online relationships that we've seen so I don't know if you've seen blue therapy it's like a online dating program and there's a couple in there and there's a particular guy we're not we're not sure if he's an actor or if it's real life but there's a, a character there called Paul and a lot of people are saying in the comments, he's narcissistic, he's narcissistic. And the more I'm reading up about it, I'm like, but this could appear like this. It could also be personality disorder. Like it could be so many different things. And I was like, do you know what? I'm I'm 24. Before I reach like whatever my next milestone is, I want to be able to n- be more aware about the types of people I can interact, that I interact with and how I can manage that and what signs to look out for. So I just felt like it was an important conversation to bring to the podcast. So for people listening who don't know what narcissism is are you able to explain that for me so it's people who are incredibly selfish they have a grand sense of self so a grand sense of importance they can in my view be incredibly unnecessarily difficult and they have actually underneath all the bravado a very fragile sense of self actually they're quite fragile people um if you get close enough and get to understand them long enough it's one of the reasons why you have things like narcissistic rage so they're very self-orientated people but they wear a mask their mask is to cover up the fragility and the longer you're with those individuals it's highly likely the mask will slip and when it does you are actually seeing them in their most vulnerablest and rawest and sometimes at their cruelest so it's often, a, a, I mean, it's getting a lot of press, you know, more so, especially with the things like, you know, social media, selfies, becoming very self-focused, you know, people becoming more selfish. So it is also a personality disorder. And some would argue, you know, based on my own experience in the criminal justice system, that it is untreatable. Mm. I was going to talk about that, actually, about is there a way to treat it, but focusing on the angle of relationships because I know that some people have deal with narcissistic people in terms of parents and friends and other sort of um, relationships like that but in terms of romantic relationships what are like some of the signs that people will see well I think when I think about narcissistic relationships I think of myself I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to narcissists and narcissists are drawn to me I think it's important to become aware of that that dynamic in terms of my own self-awareness and my own self-care so what often is kind of typical is an epic high. So relationship begins in a in a particular profound way. You may feel uh, if it's a, a woman, um, a son of male, female dynamic, you may feel pursued by the individuals, seduced. 
that they put you on a pedestal, they make you feel special. There's this epic beginning. And it's when you're in experiences like that, you really feel that you found that special person, you found the one and you fall head over heels in love. That phase is a really important phase because the seduction phase is where we get hooked in as highly empathic people, we get hooked in. And actually what it actually is tapping into is our own insecurities. And that actually may well link to our own story about our own attachments, how we were loved or not loved in our formative years. And so with anything like a roller coaster, you would have that climb when we're soaring to new heights and it's all wonderful. And then you have um, the decline. And that decline process can be abrupt or it can be very subtle. And often for the empathic person who is in the that, that dynamic, if you know, it can, the relationship taps into a whole raft of insecurities. So if you begin to doubt yourself, you might think you're the problem, or if relationships haven't worked out, you then may go on the, on the journey of trying to adapt in order to accommodate, you know, and, and naturally we just may, may well think, you know, well, we're giving the relationship a try, a certain amount of bending needs to happen, but it's really important to pay attention if it's, if it's only you bending, you know, if you're becoming a gymnast, in order to accommodate and your goalpost keeps moving and if there's a rupture we always say in any relationship there'll always be a rupture and what we pay attention to is the repairs now when there is a rupture in the relationship the repairs are really important to pay attention to so if it's the empathic person who's always remedying finding solutions you know compromising it's all of those factors that lead to you know, um, a problem situation, but it can be a very subtle process. It's not always quick and fast. So it can take people a while to realise, like, what is this about? Like, you know, especially if the empathic person has self-doubt issues, self-worth issues. One of the key signs there then um, for spotting a narcissistic person, if you're, if you're dating them, is the up and down sort of roller coaster, and that, And then the other one would be, the immediate start with it being um you being heavily seduced in a way that you're on a complete high and you basically I guess it's a bit like infatuation isn't it at the start yeah a absolutely totally and um like I said it's, it's a slow process but you really feel that you've met somebody really special and you have met somebody special because and that's that's the thing is that's what makes it kind of going back to is is that that's the person you fell in love with. So that's where our emotional attachment happens from that beginning. And it's that beginning that we're always referring back to as the relationship um, yeah. declines. And so from the empath's perspective is that what we do is we often uh, downplay the red flags. Because the red flags are incredibly inconvenient because now feelings have developed. We've grown attached, especially if the sex is great. Let's be having it, yeah? You know what I'm saying? If you go rock your word, you know what I'm saying? So all those attachments are being built. And that's why when the red flags come, they can be very inconvenient. And that's where denial, distortion, sweeping things under the rugs, justifying long-winded excuses... Is, is all a part of that process. Because we, we just don't want to believe it. We can't believe that we got it so epically wrong. Again. Key, I got it wrong again, Key. It's one of those, like, another one? Really? My. This might sound like a weird question, yeah? 
But is there a type of person that is likely to be narcissistic? I think actually the music industry, I think is quite prolific. Yeah. Because if you think about it, people have to have their egos, right? So they have grandiose egos, especially like if you think about artists, yeah, your personality, that is, it, it is, it's you. You know, if, you know, so that is your brand. And obviously, if you think about, um, say, even, you know, artists performing to thousands of people, that euphoric high they get, you know, that's very difficult for people because they get placed in that kind of, it's like, we would call it like it's God complex. You end up being worshipped and praised by people and then you're taken down from that. So I think, I think the kind of like um, media industries is something, you know, but, but it, it affects people all across the board, actually all across the board. There might actually just be no answer, but you know, like if someone is like, um, like if someone's like physically abusive, you might say, and this is not defending those people at all but you might well, one of the reasons that might have led them to there might have been that they grew up in a household where they saw abuse and it became normalized to them do you get what i mean so when it comes to like narcissism is there anything that you can kind of pinpoint that might have led someone to that point or not really well yes there's always trauma there's always trauma in the story and and often for the you know, i'll just own this right for me as someone who's been in those situations i'll i always use their trauma story to justify the behavior it's because of this that happened to them it's because of that that happened to them this is why they did that i'd almost become the greatest campaigner i was almost like the greatest like promoter <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i can explain away you know, so basically it would be some trauma in their life where they've basically had to disassociate with their own vulnerability and created the mask, the supreme self. Yeah. So, so they loathe vulnerability. Weakness is loathe because they've had to disassociate from that, from that in themselves. They've had to detach from that themselves based on what they've been through often. There's always... Absolutely, there's always their story. And, and there are trauma stories, absolutely. Just as the highly empathic people have trauma stories. We all have a trauma story. To some, Most people have had some sort of a trauma. But we, we have to... The, the trouble for empaths is we, explanation doesn't mean justification. Yeah? yeah. And, that, and that's the issue. You can explain the behaviour that doesn't justify the behaviour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where in, in, in that dynamic of narcissistic people, what it is, the relationship, it's all about you feeding their needs. They need people to feed their needs. So therefore you must have, if you have selfish people, you need the selfless. So the people that love them are selfless. Often the selfless people aren't very good at noticing what it is that they need. We mentioned empathy quite a bit on the call already. Um, but is that why there's a link between people who are empathetic and ended up in like narcissistic relationships because the person that's empathetic plays that selfless role that you're talking about? Is that where it comes from? Absolutely. So you have the narcissist and the empath. They go together like a hand fits a glove. Empathic people tend to be selfless. They focus on other people's needs. That's why if you look in certain industries, it's highly empathic. Look at the NHS. You could go and do a personality test. I'm majority majority of those workers, you know, the grassroots workers will score high on empathy. Mm-hmm. You know, we know it's a lower paid field because people care. Yeah. So you 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 have to have that. You you need that dynamic. You know, think of the yin and the yang, the opposites. You have selfish, and then you need selfless. So, uh, you know, 
when I think about narcissists, and, and I, I'm, I've moved away from just speaking about them in isolation because you have to have the duality. Their bipolar opposite is the empathic person because we are not great at connecting with what our needs based on our own trauma about how we've been brought up. So if we've been brought up where for whatever reason our parents didn't pay attention to our needs, our emotional needs, and for example, we always focused on helping you know, especially if you think about traditional kind of female roles, helping, uh, assisting, cooking, cleaning, then it may also mean that we are detached from our own emotional needs and we get validation by helping others. And therefore, when we get, if, you know, by adulthood, if we get into this dynamic, we're already set and primed because of our own childhood experiences. So when people want to understand the narcissistic individual that they're in love with and they want to come to see me, I'm really about helping them to understand themselves because when you're in that dynamic, it's never about your needs, which is why when empathic people try to, you know, read two, two help, help self-help book and they want to come talk about boundaries, I'm going to put my boundaries in place, please. You can't put boundaries in place because you, you, you suffer with guilt. Narcissistic individuals will use the guilt to control and manipulate you. If you can't learn to befriend your guilt or sit with guilt because you're not helping, a lot of a lot of individuals, you know, you know, really struggle with guilt. They feel guilty paying for stuff for themselves. Oh my gosh, that is me. That is me. My mum said this to me the other day. She's like, "Why, when it's your friend's birthdays or so, like someone's birthday that you that you obviously care about and love, do you spend so much money on them? But then when it comes to yourself." you want to be doing the bare minimum and not giving yourself anything nice. And I was just like, oh, it's just, you know, I'm saving. <laughs> yeah, but th that's, therein lies the issue. But what you have to realise is, is people who get closer to you, especially if, if it's about, you know, an intimate relationship, will see all of that. It's one of the reasons why I don't care. You must ask for things. Empathic people, we must learn to say, this is what I need. What do you want to bring to the table? What is it you want? Because empathic people are so selfless, we just mend and um, adapt to what that person needs. You know, when you think of, like, coming to America, it's like, whatever you like, whatever you like. We're so other-orientated because from childhood, that may be how we've got our validation from being helpful, from being kind. Yeah. You see? So... So now, when, we, when that now plays out in our intimate relationship, it's, 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 it's tricky. Because now you're with someone who's selfless. Now you're going to have to try to win validation. And it's why when we get modicum of crumbs of validation, we scoop them up, take them, glad for them. And the worst the relationship gets is that you just end up holding out. When will they come back? When will they come and validate you again? Mm. Yeah, because your validation is externalised. And they know that. That's the power game. It's a power game. Based on you know, insecurities, which is why when, if you're able to start to highlight and see the inconsistencies when you, you know, if the penny drops, that you realise, hold on, the person I'm actually in love with is, is just incredibly, incon it's just unnecessarily difficult. I'm bending over backwards to accommodate. I, you know, this is how people find out about it because they start Googling, you know, solutions to a difficult relationship and then they come across the word and then they're like, oh my God, oh my god yeah but the challenge is and this is what i believe is, is missing in the literature that they don't understand what they're doing that is actually the problem you're the problem in it highly empathic person is the problem in it because they don't have any awareness of self they don't they're disconnected from their own needs 
you know, and and tend to go above and beyond to please others. You know, I know for myself, that's a daddy issue, you know, which I've worked through, which I've had to work through. Because I just kept attracting the same types, different name, different tingling, but the same old ting, sister. <laughs> you don't know. I don't know if I've dated an artist before. I don't think, I'm not sure if I have, but I definitely relate to a lot of what we said so far. I think the thing is, not to, sorry, not to cut you, but it, it's, a, it, it's a term that's in pop, popular psychology at the moment, in, in, the, in, in the kind of, you know, it's in, in society at the moment. The thing is, the reality is we all have narcissism in us, right? Yeah. Yeah, but there's, it's a spectrum. Yeah, like I, I do videos, you know, I have to present myself in a particular way. I wear certain brands, certain clothes. We all have narcissism, but it's the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, ultimately, the title is really helpful because people then get to understand like, or question themselves. But, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, you know, if somebody does something wrong, all of a sudden I get people, for, I think he's a narcissist. I think he's a narcissist. <laughs> you know, um, I think, which is why as a therapist, I really want to help people to think about, well, what is it that you do then? So what yeah. do you do? What is it? What unhelpful behaviours do you have in relationships? You know, or why don't you block? That's always a great one. Why don't you block? Relationships with individuals, empathic narcissistic dynamic is, is an emotional relationship, which is why when we try to be logical about it or we get away from the person and we're sitting there thinking and we feel like an idiot, like how could I put myself back in that situation? The challenge is because it's an emotional relationship. It's not logical based because we all know what we need to do, but we can't do it. So what is that about? And that's where we must get curious. That's often an inner child, unresolved matter. Oh. Yeah. So we, so you know, as a therapist, I want to help people to understand what need that relationship is actually fulfilling, because humans don't do anything if it doesn't give them a reward. So there's, it fulfills a certain need. You know, if you grew up feeling unlovable and that you had to work really hard for affection, well, actually, you're replicating the f familiar pain may not be what you want, but you're actually comfortable with it and you know how to negotiate that space. When it comes to um, dating any sort of person, like, you know, when someone leaves a relationship, they'll be like, oh, I'm, I now I know I'm not going to date someone like him again. But I think what's interesting about what you're saying that is that it's like, it's nothing about who you date. It's actually about you understanding how you get yourself into these situations. So you then in turn can avoid those people because otherwise you just find them pack, repackaged as something else. I think that's a really interesting takeaway about doing the work within yourself the focus is always on is always on the other person isn't it when someone's in a relationship the person that done done that has done wrong or has caused the relationship to break up if it's that sort of dynamic i feel like when you're supporting your friend you focus on that like oh they're silly or oh they're rubbish or oh they shouldn't have done this when actually this conversation is allowing me to realize that actually the conversation the conversation shouldn't be that the conversation should also be like okay what, what did you do what, what purpose does the relationship serve you? And people are always baffled by that. They're like, huh? And I said, listen, I let people think, don't think you're going to pay me and sit here for 50 minutes and wax lyrical about Bob, Jim, John, Jane and Jill. We're going to do you. Because you need to understand what you do. That Because every relationship is co-created. 
If it's not co-created, then block them. Oh, I can't block them. Well, fine, you can't block them. <laughs> what was the story behind the block? What's the story? You don't want to let go. Oh. And that's fine. But admit to yourself you're holding on at some level. It's an unconscious hold on. Oh, yeah, but I don't want to be charged. Whatever. Whatever, that's a story you're telling yourself. If you are really about trying to safeguard your well-being from someone who is difficult for you, who you feel abused by, you know, and obviously everybody's situation's unique, depending on your situation, finances, abuse, all of that. Yeah. But often, you know, the dynamic as such is is very difficult for people. People find it very difficult. And that's because it comes, it's an unconscious emotional relationship, often replicating a familiar pain. What is the desire to be loved, to be valued? I want you to love me. I want you to value me. And when we're not aware, we go above and beyond to prove our worth and so by the time people get to me if they're fortunate enough to be able to do that it's about how do you learn to love you how do you learn to appreciate you or furthermore why would you give another human being such such prominence on your life you speak about him like he's a god that's what happens people begin to worship the individual and the challenge is if you're in a narcissistic empathic dynamic, you know that narcissists really need people to just feed their ego. And so they can cut you loose and be on to the next one. Dropping gems. Dropping gems. I saw a quote that said, narcissism is a secondhand smoke of mental health. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't really understand that. I don't really know what that means. I know it's a personality disorder, um, which is a disorder of mood you know, um, and it's complex, you know, you know, like I said, for my my work in prisons, it's very complex, it's a very complex situation, it leads on to things like, um, you know, psychopaths and sociopaths and so on and so forth, it's trauma, and, it, and to me, you know, if from a, from a detached, you know, professional perspective, it, to me, it's absolutely fascinating, because it, it's a beautiful insight into how humans uh, cope with adversity in their life, yeah, yeah, so I, I find that particularly interesting from a kind of survival... I'm, I'm a psychologist. I, loved, I love to understand human behaviour. Like I, I, I find that fascinating. doesn't mean that the behaviour is not destructive, but actually if you yeah. understand the story, you can begin to make sense out of that behaviour from a detached point of view. Not, I, 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 it's not someone I want to be in an intimate relationship with because it's awful. It's incredibly difficult. Especially as the years go by and we get more responsibility, children come into the mix, houses, finances, all of those things. It's, it's a very difficult situation. But what happens if people just continuously talk about the nar- narcissist this, narcissist that, they actually miss what it is that they do and they miss an opportunity to potentially, you know, learn a, a great deal, a profound amount about themselves, their behaviour, their whys, their motivations. So now as I'm someone who's really conscious to not repeat those destructive patterns, you know, it's really important for me to be very clear with people about what my needs are. You know, these are the needs that I bring, but I have to pay attention to my own behaviour. You know, am I going above and beyond? You know, why do I need to go above and beyond? Can I just take it down a little peck or two? You know, what happens if I just do enough? What's that like? With your line of work, obviously you've met a lot of people who have dealt with these um, sort of situations, this sort of 
empathetic um empathy narcissistic dynamic as you as you mentioned already but out of interest is there like a common thing that comes up so when people do the, the inner work to understand how to end up in these situations is like a common thing that always comes up that they realize how they end up in that cycle yeah unresolved unresolved childhood issues often wanting to be loved and this is what for me so much of the work becomes spiritual because some of us may have come from incredibly dysfunctional families right so how do you feel that you are loved and valued and and a person of worth because often what happens is we're trying to get that to feel that way through our intimate relationship and humans will always fail you humans we fail ourselves i should be a size eight by now all the gym memberships (laughs) i got you know what i'm saying we fail ourselves so how can you redistribute that 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 need for love and that's for me we're spiritual love you know You're a creation of the creator, whether you are religious or spiritual. If you don't believe, then, you know, I may not be the therapist for you. But from a spiritual, you are no mistake. You are valuable and you are worth. You are a child of the creator. The creator is in you, you know. So from that place, how can you now redistribute the energy that you poured into other human beings, that other person that you loved and you worshipped and you pedestaled? How do you now re, re, repurpose that energy so that you potentially, if you're if you depend on what you do, you find purpose and meaning in your life? Because for so many people, they make that person that that they put all their energy into that individual. How do you now take your energy back and redistribute that in a, in a healthy way, where you not only help yourself but inadvertently you help others? I, I think that's the key to living a great life, fundamentally. Mm-hmm you know, repurposing your energy. And, you know, for narcissistic individuals, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a tough, it's tough because it's very difficult when somebody lacks self-insight. They only look outwards. They are never at fault unless it's beneficial for them to accept they're at fault because it, there'd have to be an agenda in there for them to accept fault. Can you unpack that for me? So, it, so for example, they'd accept fault if that was a lesser consequence. So, so there'd have to be a trade-off. So, for example, if, if narcissistic individuals, if they ever get to therapy, there's always an agenda. My wife says she's going to divorce me. Oh, stop it. You're you, on it. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> and obviously, it's cheaper to come to therapy than to get a divorce. <laughs> but And I'm not going to collude. I'm not very good at colluding. Mm. Yeah? So there's always a trade-off. There has to be a trade-off because it's mind games. It's always mind games. It's chess. And that's why for individuals who love them from an emotional place, it's not that that's the challenge with a, with a relationship that plays mind games. And that's where you, developing strategies is really important for people. It's, it's a game, power dynamic game, which is why people who tend to score higher narcissism tend to love things like the 48 laws of power. <laughs> You love the book. Love the book. Love it. For people who are listening and um, may feel like they could potentially be someone who is narcissistic, what what advice do you have for them? What what should they what should they do? I think it's really difficult actually because the the reality is people do come to me because obviously they know I deal with one side of the spectrum in terms of the empaths, but obviously my experience in criminal justice does mean that that I've had experience on that hand too. 
I would say, I would say get help. But they're often not very, very great at getting help, you know, and I think it's very difficult. I mean, it's very difficult for people because it's about how they have to learn to understand. Having to learn to understand. And then on the other side then for empaths or the people who are in a relationship with them, what does healing look like? What does that process look like? Is, is it just therapy or the other things they can do as well? Because, you know, I'm really passionate about helping people redirect their energy. Remember, for many individuals who fall in love with those individuals or caught in that dynamic, it consumes your energy. And in life, everything is energy. So if your energy is channeled in a situation where you cannot control, you'll become depressed. Mm. Right. So how do you now redistribute that energy in, in, in a sense that you can replant that energy so something growthful happens to it? So, yeah, we look through therapy, but then it's about, OK, so what do we need to focus? What do you what are the things you love? So I love doing bucket lists with people who have been in these dynamics. What are the things that you enjoy? What are your hobbies? What have been your childhood dreams? What have you abandoned? What have you given hope up, up hope on? Another thing I realised is, you know, talking to people about their potential is such, it's so difficult because the people think that they're bragging or naming their dreams. They feel like I would judge. Like, who am I to dare to dream? You know, so it's about creating a space where individuals can think about what it was they want for themselves. If you've been in an all-consuming relationship, the reality is you would have abandoned yourself. You would have neglected yourself. No matter whether you look pretty on the street and all these things. Mm. You know, it's all about emotional neglect. Neglect of your own ideas, your own passions, your own vision for your life. Because that's the absolute buffer. For, for all the narcissists that I've loved and left, what's been consistent? My dream. Continuing to build key for change. That's remained. And I'm so glad. Yeah. Because yeah. it saved my life. Mm. And, and I do feel for people, it's very difficult out here. Very difficult. And, and we know also, you know, in thinking about narcissism, we're living in an incredible, you know, in the West, it's, it's, a, it's an individualistic society. You know, 5,000 friends on Facebook, but no one to help you move a wardrobe. Humans aren't meant to be by themselves. We're not designed to be individual. We're not, it's, not, it's not a part of how we're designed. We're social beings. We're social by design. What what are some of the ways that we as empathetic people can protect ourselves? Well, we need to develop self-awareness. You know, we need to put the red flags is going above and beyond, putting someone on a pedestal, explaining away nonsense behaviour. You know, if if you can catch that, when I pedestal someone, yeah, I make them perfect. When when you make someone perfect, it means that you, when you see their flaws, because all humans are flat fallible, you'll have to find a way to ignore that. Because it's an inconvenient truth. A lot of empathic people don't like inconvenient truths because we live in hope and we have great fantasies. We've got vivid fantasies. And we end up having hopeless hope. And we keep holding on. So any time you find yourself pedestaling someone, you, you give them godlike powers because you see them as perfect. No human is perfect. So as soon as you catch that in yourself, be aware. Be aware. I'm giving him, a, I'm giving this individual power. I'm giving them power. I'm giving them omnipotent power. He's not your God. Uh, Pharrell talks about that in the song, uh, Bloodlines. That man is not your maker. People think blurred lines is just about rare air. It's not. There's 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 wisdom in them lyrics in there. That man is not your maker. Don't be careful when you pedestal somebody because you have to 
circumnavigate, ignore, deny, distort their human fallibilities. If such a word exists, but I like it. <laughs> we made it up today. <laughs> well, Kaylee, thank you for joining us on the Dope Black Women podcast. Um, I know for myself, I've got a lot that I've taken away in terms of looking deeper into um, my level and scope when it comes to being empathetic for myself and other people. And I think I definitely got a clearer understanding of what narcissism looks like and signs that I can take on board when it comes to navigating romantic relationships and and also platonic relationships because I feel like there's definitely a crossover. I don't think it's just something that applies to like dating at all. Um, but I just think it's important to share, to be able to share this with the platform. Absolutely, because, you know, in terms of the law of attraction, we create our reality. And this is why I'm really passionate about helping people to understand how we do it to ourselves, how we get into these predicaments. Because if I don't, I believe I leave people thinking that they're a victim. Mm -mm. We co-create situations. So how do you go from being a victim to being victorious over your situation? Because if you don't get the lesson, you'll keep repeating the pattern. And that will wear you down as time and and time goes by. That's life. You know, so self-awareness is the key. Becoming self-aware of your own stuff, your own story, in terms of why you, you know, why we continuously find ourselves in situations where we continuously just give, you know. And I think if we take this back to a cultural perspective, if you think about women's roles, especially in the diaspora, if you think about, you know, Afro-Caribbean women who've often, through the legacy of colonialism, um, had kind of matriarchal roles, you know, and, and, uh, you know, had special relationships with men, justified their behaviour, understood the dynamics that they were in and, and made sure we, you know, the kind of mummy, mummy's boys and grandmother always looking after them, you know. So these dynamics in terms of for women is incredibly important for us to be aware of as caregivers, you know, and, and for many black women, we end up in caring roles as well in our professions. We dominate the caring roles. So if we dominate caring roles, it's highly likely to suggest that we also are highly, you know, that we're going to score, score highly on empathy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have a heart to care. Plus, we've been socialised in that way as being females in the house. So you, you kind of get like this kind of this kind of perfect storm because you've got men who become entitled, who are used to privileged treatment from women as well, because there was the boy. You see, so there's that, there's that cultural element as well. We know the strong black woman, that, that stereotype is, is particularly damaging because people just feed from her. You know, they continuously take from her, they, they dehumanise her. And she's actually detached from her own needs anyway, because she's just been conditioned to continuously give. She, she doesn't know how to, do, to be fragile. She disassociates from her own fragility. Doesn't know what she needs, because no one's ever noticed what she ne- needed anyway. Conditioned to look outwards at everybody else. So it's, it's, a, it's a true challenge. You know, and it's why I always encourage my sisters, like, we got to learn to do fragility. How did you even get into this world? How did you, like, what made you want to specify in... Because my baby father was a nightmare, sistrin. <laughs> Chatbolt. Yeah? Uh-uh. Northwest 10 mayhem, yeah? <laughs> hey! <laughs> you know, my baby father was a nightmare. And I just could not believe I was in such a dark situation. 
could not believe that was my situation. I had two children, two young children, was working at Ikea, and I could see the odds were stacked, you know, you know, temporary housing. I could see my brethren were all going into the whole temporary housing stuff. Some, some of my friends are still in temporary housing. And I was just like, I remember seeing Oprah one day and she had a young Levansant on there. And I was like, listen, I'm going to buy that book. In the meantime, God bless Oprah and Yanla. I was just sitting there watching it. I was like, that is me. That is me. That is me. Going back, going for, and Yanla was just saying, you, you know, you need to take responsibility for yourself. And I was like, huh? Huh? But I loved him. She's like, no, you need to take responsibility. I was like, this is, this book spoke to me and it changed my life. You know, but it doesn't mean, and you know, the challenge is emotions are profound. I can still love some of the people who've hurt me the most. It's annoying being an empath sometimes. I'm like, yeah. I really should hate you. And I don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, sister? And you know how it goes. I'm a, I shouldn't even look at oh, you. Yeah. Trust I'm me. Sure Retro, even my daughter said to me one day, she's like, mom, how do you even talk to him? Yeah. That's a wake up call when your own youth says that to you about her father. You know, but what I said to say to you, it's just, I just don't have it in my, I just don't do, I don't hate people. I just don't carry hate like that. But are you someone who avoids like holding grudges or like any sort of malice? Even if I have an argument with someone and then go to sleep that night, I'd rather it be dealt with that day. Like I actually really struggle with. Well, no, that's an issue because sometimes it's messy. That's, that it needs to be, sometimes it needs, I have no problem with it being messy. I, now as a, you know, as I've journeyed through this. It, it, some relationships it will always be messy and I've learned to accept that because the empath in me who likes to finish things and have it ne- or the issue, the other issue is closure in it you want closure lead love Jesus don't do that to yourself yeah because that's a myth it is what it is you know we we want to know why well look they don't know how the cosmos started so you need to kind of if, if they can't if Steve Dawkins can't work that one out yeah <laughs> You need to go comfortable with the fact that the man ghosted you or took your kindness for weakness. You know, we must learn to accept that, that people are dirty. Empathic people are often drawn to complex individuals because our compassion and our understanding, and this is where, you know, it can work against us. Great good traits can flip on us and work against us. And it's one of the reasons why we must learn to be, I believe, also strategic and we must learn to have boundaries and learn to be our own best friend. Thank you. Always a pleasure.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.